Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season, that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Please, Lord. I just want to see my daughters again. If you get me through this, you answer my prayers. I swear I'll dedicate my whole life to you. I'll do whatever you want. Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. Those are examples of typical prayers that we pray in different situations. Uh, often we pray because we have a need. Uh, it could be a desperate need, like the last guy there, Louis Zamperini. Um, or we're grateful that a need has been met. That That's another reason we pray. And this is good. Uh, this is very good. But what you find in Scripture is that prayer isn't just asking for what we need or being thankful for getting it. Jesus taught it that, that at its core, at least for a Christ follower, a key part of prayer is to focus on doing God's will. Here, here's the model prayer he gave. His disciples asked him about prayer, and he gave a model prayer. This is what he said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Starts with praise, adoration. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, here the focus on God's kingdom, God's will, asking him to bring it on earth. God's kingdom is his rule and reign in the hearts and lives of people. So the prayer is for God to reign and rule in more and more lives. Give us this day our daily bread. No wordplay intended, but I did think of it. This request is sandwiched between other stuff. <laughs> this request for daily bread. Uh, it's, it's sandwiched between starting with God's awesomeness, praising him, giving ourselves to God's will, and then a prayer for forgiveness and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So prayer for forgiveness. If we're going to get forgiveness from God, we need to be gracious and forgive those that have offended us. That's something I pray almost every day, is that God would help me to be kind tender-hearted, and forgiving like he has been with me. And so that's, that's something we set our heart on there, and we want to fight against evil. We want to fight against temptation. But here's the dangerous part of this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. When we, we're, we're giving ourselves to cooperate with God to do what he wants in our lives. That's, that's what that prayer is saying there. The prayers we're looking at in this series are dangerous to your status quo. If you, if you pray them consistently, your life will not be the same because God's listening and he answers. When I was 14, I knew God wanted me to go into vocational ministry. And frankly, that scared me. 14, I didn't know what that meant, uh, but it was a very clear call and I fought it. For eight or nine months, I I wrestled with this sense that God wanted me to go into full-time ministry, and I battled it. Um, Honestly, I was afraid of what God would do with me if if I responded to his call. You know, first of all, I was 14. All the pastors I knew weren't cool in my mind, and I did not want to be uncool. So I wrestled with that. But I also wrestled with two specific things that I knew I would have to do if I surrendered. We used to call it in the church I grew up in, you surrender to the call to, to ministry. And before I did that, I wrestled with two specific things. There were two aspects of that role that I really wasn't looking forward to. One was public speaking. Shocker. And the other was doing funeral services. Frankly, those, those were daunting in my mind. Uh, daunting in the dictionary means seeming difficult to deal with in anticipation, intimidating. So I was intimidated by those two possibilities. So I wrestled. I never saw myself as a person who would speak in public all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I do, For, first time I ever spoke, I, 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 in our church you walk the aisle and you surrender to the call to ministry. And so I walk the aisle. The next month, I'm 14, the next month the pastor started a youth night where guess who gets to speak? Once a month until I was out of that, you know, out of, went to college. And so first time I spoke, I waxed eloquently or not so eloquently for three minutes. I was in another room getting ready to go in there and crying like a baby. I was scared. But, hey, God called me to do it, so I went in and did it. The very first funeral service I ever did, I only remembering, before I got up to speak, I, I just remember... Well, I wonder if words are going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> because I've got a serious jolt of adrenaline going here or something. And so, um, anyway, God began to use me. What, the big shift for me came when all of a sudden I realized it's not about me. It's not about me and what people think of me as I speak. It's about how can I help people, especially people who are grieving. There are words that God has given us that speak deeply into our hearts that can really bring comfort in a time like that, that can really give direction to life in a time like that. And so that was the big shift. Something clicked along the way, 
with my public speaking, with my delivering sermons, with doing funeral services. Hey, it's not about me. It's about being sent by God into various situations to do what he wants me to do. That really helped. That it, it began to help when I shifted my perspective to, wow, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm not quite sure. To God is sending me. And you may not be called to vocational ministry, but if you're a Christ follower, God is going to send you into different situations. He is sending you every day into your life to make a difference in the lives of people. I, I had said yes to following Christ. What I didn't know when, when I did that, I was 11. When, what I didn't know is that I would need to keep saying yes to God as he sent me into different situations to be used by him. And then he uses me. He, he sends me. And if I respond to him and if I allow him to work in me and through me, he, he can really help people through me. He can help people through you. If you're a Christ follower, if you've decided to do what he wants you to do. If, if you aren't yet a Christ follower, I may be highlighting one of your major concerns. <laughs> I mean, honestly, is, is God going to ask me to do something I don't really want to do? I might receive some daunting assignment. I might be uncool. He might ask me to do something I don't think I can handle. I can tell you as one who's wrestled and surrendered, that's when you come alive. <laughs> when you when you begin to let God work through you to do his will, you come alive. When God sends you into a situation that is more you than you can do alone, it gets real. You have an opportunity to experience God's power in a way you don't if you don't allow him to send you into that situation. In this series, we've seen how prayer ignites the power of God in my life, especially this prayer. Send me. One main aspect of following Christ is get up in the morning and ask God to send you into situations where he can use you to help people who cross your path. That, that's what it means to follow Christ. That's why Jesus added that or put that in the heart or toward the middle of the Lord's prayer, the model prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I want you to use me to do your work and to do your will today, in this day. I want you to use me. As a Christ follower, God leads me beyond the prayer. Help me to pray, send me. The heart of this danger, dangerous prayer is to focus on God's agenda. It, it challenges us to widen our focus in our lives. And this is what God will do. One thing you can know if you haven't yet given your life to follow Christ. One thing you can know that God will do is he is going to peel your heart open slowly, graciously, kindly to include other people in it. This is what he wants to do if you allow him. The way, the way God is, he, he's not going to force himself uh, on you to, 
fought to force you to follow him or to, to just force you to open your heart to other people to do his will. But he works with you as you cooperate with him. This, this is what he does. So he's going to widen the focus of our lives. God, God is working out a plan that is on a much larger scale than, than we can see. And as I allow God's agenda and plan to take priority of my, my, over mine, the risk factor increases tremendously and it might interrupt my status quo, but wow. How much meaning is there to life if I do that? How much meaning is there to living a life like that? There are several different groups of people that God sends me to every day. And if you're following him, following Christ, he'll send you there as well. First, God sends me to my neighbors. Do you know your neighbors on each side? If you do, you're exceptional. Gone are the days of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood type of friendships with with, uh, neighbors. Uh, 2010 survey by Pew Research Center. Researchers found that only 43% of Americans know most or all of their neighbors. That's less than half. Uh, But nearly a third said they know none by name. That's that's. That's amazing to me. Um, City Lab put out an article. It's a group that does research on cities. Uh, it says, few Americans today say they know their neighbors' names, and far fewer report interacting with them on a daily basis. Only about 20% of Americans spend time regularly with the people living next to them. A third say they've never interacted with their neighbors. Now, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you if you've never, if you don't know your neighbor's name, uh, or if you haven't interacted with them, because what we tend to do, what do we tend to do? We just drive the car into the garage, shut it, and go into our, our cocoon. <laughs> That's what we tend to do. But life happens when you begin to let God use you to send you to your neighbors. The Bible's perspective is that God has put you in your neighborhood. He wants you to represent him if you're following Christ. He wants you to be a witness, both by your life, by your attitude, by the way you approach things, and with your words. He sends you and I to show his love and kindness into different situations. What if you and I began to pray for our neighbors? Praying that we could form a sense of community on our streets. It's going to take some time. May may not happen. You need some cooperation. But what, what if we did that? Think about what could happen if during the ups and downs of life, we actually knew our neighbors well enough to be used by God to help or encourage or support them. How fantastic is that? That's exceptional compared to the norm that's going on in, in our, our world. Social, social media allows us to connect with groups of friends on the web. But how does God want to send us to the people right around us that live in our neighborhood? God will also send me to serve coworkers. 
What if we began praying for and looking for ways to help the team at work as we get up in the morning? Work's a grind. Scripture says it's a gift from God to enjoy your work. Uh, it, it can be a grind. Uh, many days you head into work, you're just trying to pump yourself up to, to do what needs to be done. Uh, but what if our prayers were directed at bringing some help to those around us at work? To really be blessing them. What, what if we shifted our perspective Instead of praying, God, help me get this done this week. Would you give me some help this week at work? Pray, God, send me into the office to be a help. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do it the best I can. But I also want to bless those I can bless and help them. This is going to be a stretch. But what a ripple effect on the culture at work. If we, if we do this, and this adds real purpose to your days. Think about it. You're not just punching a clock. You're not just going to work, doing what you got to do and going home. You're looking beyond the work to how can God use me? He sent me here. How can he use me to help the people around me? The Lord also wants us to connect with people far from God. Now, these could be folks at work, could be in your neighborhood or other areas where you do life. All around us are people that God is drawing to himself. This, this is what you find in Scripture. Just, just as you see fruit on a tree turning ripe through the circumstances of life, people often start opening up and exploring Christianity as they're handling different difficulties. God wants to use you in the process. He's sending you to the people that are crossing your path. Sometimes you play a part by planting seeds of kindness, uh, testimony, truth that can really help. Uh, sometimes you come along and water the seeds that others have planted. But if you, if you start praying, send me, don't be surprised when God sends you to help people he's calling to himself. This is what he does. For me, this is one of the most exciting aspects of life, is to be sent into different situations to be used by God to accomplish his purpose in the lives of people. Now, I don't, I don't often feel like I can offer anything. And... What I've learned is God's word is much more important than my opinion on things. And so I've tried to learn his word so I could, you know, bring it up in key situations. But wow, what a difference. Why not pray for God to send you into your day in this way? Why why won't you do that? It's easy to think I'm going to leave that to the professionals, which I guess would be me. And others like me. <laughs> but God's want, God wants all Christ followers to realize he's sending us into the world in this way. This is what he's doing. The great thing about the characters you find in the Bible is how real they are. I mean, you know, there, it's not sugar-coated. It's just like God talks to people. 
and he gives them assignments, and then you get the real reaction from the people. And so I want to look at three different characters from Scripture who are very normal people. In fact, except for Jesus, everybody in the Bible is a normal person. They're reacting and responding to God's direction for their lives and his work in their lives. And I can identify with them. And so this morning I want to look at three different people that God sent and their initial response to him. Here are three responses to being sent by God. If you begin praying the dangerous prayer, send me, and God answers you and directs you to respond, um, you may find yourself working through some similar things. I have. I can totally identify with these responses. Uh, the first knee-jerk response to God's call we'll look at this morning is send someone else. You ever thought that? I mean, there are all kinds of situations in my life where I, I get in it and I'm like, oh, oh, I think I'm the one that needs to say something or I'm the one that needs to do something to help. Or, and I look around behind me and there's not a long line of people that are waiting to be uh, used by God in that situation. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm it. You know, and I feel, I feel like these folks. When God asks you to do something you've never thought you would do, it's easy to doubt your ability to do it. This was Moses' reaction when he received one of the most epic assignments ever from God. Here's the clear word from God to Moses in Exodus uh, 3.10. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Talk about a daunting task. Moses didn't think he was up to it. I don't blame him. Uh, he'd been prepared his entire life for this moment. Didn't totally click with him. Egypt was a world power at the time. He was, what God was asking him to do is lead two, two to three million Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt out of Egypt to freedom. So this is what Moses said to God in Exodus 3.11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He tells God, I, I think you got the wrong guy. <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense to me. There, there is no way I can pull this off. God responds to Moses the same way he responds to you and I when he gives us an assignment. Exodus 3.12, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. They were standing on a mountain that was out of Egypt. God was talking to him, calling him to do this. Thing when they were away from Egypt, he says, this is how you're going to know that I've called you to do this. We're gonna, you're going to be standing here with all the people. I, I love this. God assures Moses of what we all need to know when we're doing his work. His presence. I will be with you. This is what he says. Another thing to notice, the sign that God sent him 
will be that they worship on the mountain Moses is standing on when God gives him this call, which is out of, out of Egypt, as I said. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? You'll know that I sent you to do this when it's all over. <laughs> yeah, I, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> And this is this is something to pay attention to because this is how God is. This is what he does. He gives us a, a call to go into situations and we'll know God's in it when the work is finished. Interesting. This makes for adventure. Now, now, if you, if we want guarantees on the front end, okay, God, I'll go where you're sending me, but I'd like to know how it's all going to work out. If you could just give me some kind of, kind of guarantee that it's going to work out, then I'm in. Uh, it's not what he does. What he does is he, he, he directs us to do things and he sends us into situations And then we have to keep trusting him moment by moment. We have to keep calling on him. Oh, God, please help me right here. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Would you you help me do this? And this is the beauty of it. This is the adventure of it. If there's no uncertainty or need to trust God as we're walking through the circumstances, how boring is that? That's boring. That's just not any fun at all. But when God sends us and we respond, life's exciting. It's adventurous. So Moses comes up with a few more reasons he's not the guy. You should read it, Exodus 3 and 4. It's it's fascinating, and I understand uh, all of his objections. I can I, They resonate with me. Um. And finally, in Exodus 4.13, Moses said, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that great? I, I've thought that many, many times. Oh, God, please find somebody else to do that. Um, I can identify with that response. Eventually, as you probably know, Moses responds to God's call to go. And God works. And he does exactly what he promised to do. And two, three million people are freed from slavery in Egypt. They find their freedom. What we tend to do, and this is what Moses is doing. I totally identify with it. I've done it myself for years, frankly. We tend to put what we're willing to do for God in a box. We put up cardboard walls. On all sides. And we put what we're willing to do for God in a box. We, we want to keep God and what we're willing to do for him in that box. We put limits on our usefulness to God based on what we think of ourselves, based on our past experiences, our skills, our personalities. But God is bigger than the box that we try to put him into, and he wants us to live for more than fits into that box. 
He, he wants us to have a meaningful life of purpose. He will keep leading us to think and live outside the box, and he will walk with us as we do so. But he will give no guarantees of how it's going to work out as we walk forward. And the second possible response to God sending us is, I'm not going. You ever been there? (laughs) You, You may know the story of Jonah. He ran from God's assignment. And we'll call him uh, the prophet on the run. Uh, Jonah 1, 1 through 3 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God sends Jonah to the to Nineveh to the Ninevites to preach to them. Here's a map that shows Nineveh is 555 or 550 miles northeast of his current location, and Tarshish is 2,500 miles the opposite direction. <laughs> So Jonah does what, you know, I felt like doing many, many times. I'm just going to run the other direction. He gets on a ship at the port of Joppa, sails for Tarshish, which is over 300,000 miles from Nineveh, where God wants him to go. If you start praying, send me into my day, Lord, to do your work and to do your will, you're going to end up being led by God to show kindness to people you'd rather not. He's going to, he, God loves all people. Everybody on the face of the earth. Even your enemies. Even my enemies. Even those I despise. And so, If you pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, and you give yourself to do the work of God in your day, you're going to have to wrestle with the need for God to use you in the lives of people that you aren't fond of, to say the least. Maybe you despise. You'd really rather not try to help them come to know God. But this is what God does because he loves all the people he made and put on this earth. The third response is the one God's looking for, send me. Isaiah was sent by God as a prophet to Israel to warn them of the consequences of their choices. Here's his response to God's call. It's exemplary. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. That, that is beautiful. May, may I get to the spot where I could just respond to God like that. And I've been there, and I'm there occasionally. I, I'd, I'd encourage you to read Isaiah 6. Because what you find there is how Isaiah related to God and how God worked in his heart and life to prepare him to be able to say, Here I, I am. Here am I, send me. Use me, God, however you want. 
He's what you find out in the verses before verse eight that I just read is that he's very aware of his sin and limitations. He's honest with God about that, but he experienced God's grace in a distinct way in that moment. And so Isaiah got past himself. He he didn't let his limitations, his sin, hold him back. Sometimes people sweep, swing to the extreme of thinking, God, God couldn't use me. I'm not good enough. I'm messed up. But once you experience God's grace and forgiveness, being on mission is the reason you live if you stay in step with him. He, he wants to send you to your, through your day. And he may not ask you to speak in public or lead a funeral service where you're depending on him to help you say what would be helpful to hurting, grieving people. That may not even scare you. Really, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm wired the way I'm wired. You're, you're made the way you're made. That might even, not even really be a big challenge to you. But if you're a Christ follower, there will be something God asks you to do that's beyond your ability to pull it off. If you surrender to him in prayer, you'll experience God's power in a way you never would if you say no. Being sent by God into the world brings purpose and meaning into life, and that's where the action is. This is the good stuff from God. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull out your connection card that Thad asked you to fill out. Uh, earlier in the service, if you, if you haven't yet finished filling it out, uh, please take the time to, to finish that, if you would. On the back side of the connection card, there's one next step I'm asking you to take, if you will, if you'd like this morning. Uh, my next step today is to pray, send me, every day this week. Just send me. You get up in the morning, God, send me into my day to be used however you see fit. When you wake up each morning this week, ask God to send you to do his will and be a help to the people that cross your path as you go through the day. He, he may give you an opportunity to help a neighbor or coworkers. He might give an opportunity to identify with Christ or invite a friend or family member to church or share testimony or gospel message, but let God send you into your day this week and watch how he uses you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness and patience with us. Thank you, God, for giving so much meaning and purpose to our lives as we set ourselves to follow you and do your will during each day. I pray that you give us the power to do just that, to surrender to you, to be used each day, and to accomplish your purpose with our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.